the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Today is June 26th, and for us, it is a very significant day. The feast, or the memorial of Saint Osria. And we can, we can picture now the joy and at the same time the perhaps nervous intensity that uh, Don Alvaro experienced during the month that were leading up to the beatification in which he had to prepare for the ceremony of the beatification, which of course included redacting a collect for the Feast of St. Josemaria. Then, at that time, it was Blessed Josemaria. The collect, we call it the opening prayer. And in that collect, it's like a, a collection, a, a summary of our spirit. And Don Avro and those collaborating with him in the 19, early 1990s had to squeeze our spirit, our entire approach, our vocation, our life, our dreams, into one simple little collect, like two lines. You think about his life, the Civil War, meeting our father, the beginning of the apostolate, the way, then the homilies of Christ is passing by and, 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 the, and friends of God and of course all the approvals and all that you put it all into one two little lines and so well Don Alvaro had a daunting task to summarize all that into what are the most essential elements what are the most essential aspects of the spirit of Opus Dei and of our Father because it wasn't exclusively about Opus Dei itself which St. Josemaria was the founder of but this was a Mass for St. Josemaria yet his life was completely dedicated to the realization of this mission that God had given him and uh, I'm sure that Don Alvaro found it hard to reduce something you love so deeply, something you have dedicated yourself to for years, just to a few words, barely a couple of lines. And when I was there in Rome, I remember, you know, there were get-togethers quite frequently with uh, Blessed Alvaro, and we would never get together on a Sunday, right? And there would be like hundreds of people who go to the Alamagna and all these people would come in from the centers in Rome and priests were there and 
you know, the students of the Roman College and uh, other people, you don't know who they are, you know, so, like, and there were people that were quite old, too. I mean, I remember, like, you know, wheelchairs and canes. And, and uh, there was one priest, the first Italian vocation priest, whose name was um, Don Checo Angelicchio. And um, he became a numerary in the 1950s, and he was ordained. In other words, he came in contact with the work when our father first came to Italy. And during those get-togethers, Don Alvaro would speak about different things. And it was inevitable that uh, Don Keiko would always ask a question. He was a very uh, humorous fellow. He was always joking. And, and he would always ask in Italian, because he was Italian, um, he'd always lift up his hand and Don Alvaro would say, yes, you, you have a question, my son? And he would always say, Padre, quando c'è la beatificazione? You know, when is our father going to be beatified? You know, when? When is it happening? And we had rumors, okay, it was advancing, but you know, pff, no idea. I mean, and he would say, it's okay, it's okay, it's coming, it's coming. One day, we have to pray, we have to pray. Like, everybody wanted this, but he was insisted on the, on the date. And of course, finally, the day came, and Don Alvaro announced, our father will be beatified on May 17th. 1992 and there was great joy and I remember still a get together where he explained that the task now at hand was to write the mass of St. Josemaria or then blessed Josemaria and he explained the collect and that the collect or as we call it the opening prayer it just had to summarize perfectly and he was like in anguish what to leave behind what to add and uh it's like, it's like a movie director on the cutting board, right? I mean, uh, he has to cut away scenes that may have cost him a lot to film. He had to imagine film a scene that involved stuntmen, uh, CGI, special actors that were flown in there from who knows where. And then in the end, uh, well, it's a great scene, but we can't put it in the final cut. No, we just can't put it in. There's, I don't know whatever reason there's it's too long or it's too they can't put it in sometimes they have editions of movies called the director's cut right and then they add all those things they wanted to add but it gets ends up being five hours long you know so it's too so this collect is like the director's cut of our father and opus day it was sent in it was approved it was vetted by the Holy See, though it had to be cut at the end. Because the first version for the beatification was quite different from the final version in the canonization. It had to be cut. It was too long. But now, what we have ended up with, which is like the director's cut, it's the final version, this is it, is the prayer that the priest says, the opening prayer. And he begins, always, as in any colic, he says, Oremos, right? let us pray. There's a moment of silence, and everybody's saying, oh, okay, okay, we have to collect ourselves. Where's the passage in the missile? Uh, you hear the missile, you know. 
that's why we do the let us pray, the silence, you know. No, it's the silence is to collect yourself. <laughs> silence is there to collect ourselves. That's why it's a collect, right? So it's a, there's a moment of silence. The priest closes his eyes. He looks at the missile and he says, now this is the final cut for the Mass of St. Josemaria, approved by Pope John Paul II. O God, who raised up your priest, St. Josemaria, in the church to proclaim the universal call to holiness and the apostolate, grant that by his intercession and example, we may, through our daily work, be formed in the likeness of Jesus, your Son, and serve the work of redemption with burning love. I like that. Burning love. Just let's insert burning. Not just with love. It is like it's like, yeah. It's a burning love. The as I recall, like I honestly I couldn't find the original, original version. Like I mean, I'm not a like a, I wasn't able to find it. I was probably around somewhere, but the what I remember about the original version it was it was too long. And one of the reasons is that he included um, walking with joy or advancing with joy. And the last part also included a reference to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And at that time, Don Alvaro thought, well, we have to add something about joy. And we just can't live out Our Lady. I mean, she's got to be in there somewhere. We got to, you know. Because our father had such a love for Our Lady, so he thought, well, like he's going to get mad if we don't add Our Lady. Mm-hmm. If he hears that prayer, you know. But the Holy See said, cut, cut, it's too long. You know? some, sometimes I picture some official who's done this like all his life, and he says, this is too long, you know. It's uh, troppo lungo, you know, as they say in Italian. Or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he was comparing the lengths, you know, of all the other prayers, you know. Like when you're hemming a, a pants, you know, it's too long, whatever. I don't know. But it was long. It was kind of long, you know. And it's as though, like, we're just like, just, just can we just add Our Lady in there, you know. But you just can't just squeeze in Our Lady and not make it long. I mean, it's just... Uh, but perhaps it was cut because, at least the reference to Our Lady, perhaps it was cut because, hey, like that's what everybody knows and does in the church. Like it's like part of the, it's part of the normal formula anyway. So it's almost as though Our Lady is kind of like taken for granted because she's present in the entire church and it's not specific to Opus Dei. So, okay, just assume her, you know, she's there. It's normal part of all Catholics, not just proper to us. So given that it was assumed, it could be just left out. Right? And then we got an extra line out there. <laughs> you know? And then eventually uh, they added the Leti Ambulembus, the, the you know, walking with joy. And um, although we would want joy in there, but I figure, yeah, Okay, we take out joy, but 
you can see the joy in the people there at mass anyway, right? Like yesterday, the little babies run wandering around in the in the main aisle there, and mothers are running after them. And uh, and uh, if you see the opening scene of the entrance procession in the YouTube, there's a little kid there waving, waving, waving. You know, so I, I wanted to cut him out, you know, because he was kind of distracting, you know. But uh, just leave him in there, you know. And uh, so it's assumed that we have always joy anyway and that we have our Blessed Mother. And that, that is the collect. And of course, we know the priest always begins with this oremus, and he says it, oremus, let us pray, he says it in the plural. Meaning, of course, that we are all praying together. The priest is not alone a certain way he is alone because he is addressing himself to God the Father as mediator, like another Christ. But at the same time, he's involving the whole Christian community. We are not celebrating the liturgy as individuals, but as part of the body of Christ, praying with Christ our head. So that's the explanation of the oremos. It's not I pray, it's, you know, it's oremos. And, and when we say the Mass of our Father... That's perhaps what um, gives us a lot of joy, is that we really feel part of the church. We're in some, some parish somewhere, and there's a lot of people there, and it really, really underlines the fact that we are praying here in the midst of the church like everybody else. Somebody told me yesterday that uh, we were talking like after the Mass, about the numbers and how many people there were and etc. And I, I just mentioned, well, you know, kind of slightly maybe in a tone of lament that, uh, yeah, well, there's this many people, but that's because there's a whole other mass at the same time in Oakville. So, you know, like we really would have been a lot of people if there's been one mass kind of saying without saying it. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, and... This guy looked at me and he said, Well, look, Father, Father, in the Philippines, every parish has its Mass of St. Josemaria. They just get the people to organize their own Mass in their parish, and that's it. So there are tons of Masses today. So each one, you know, big parish, small parish, little people, few people, big, big, you know, whatever. It's just, it's just part of the parish. Yeah, yeah, we should do that. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. <laughs> but I don't think we have the network of people, you know, every single parish having its supernumerary or whatever, you know. But uh, but that would be good, you know. Okay, it wouldn't have the same solemn tone of almost triumphalism, you know, that a mass <laughs> has with lots and lots of people and and a bishop and whoa. And we're not used to being, you know, face to face with bishops, but uh, but maybe that's what we have to do too. You know? Just ordinary masses, or not ordinary masses, but you know, ordinary parishes here and there, and they all on this day celebrate the mass of Saint Josemaria. But it does emphasize the oremos. We let us pray, and these colics. I mean, we're not the first ones who have a problem summarizing our spirit, right? Uh, these colleagues go way back to the church fathers, and that's their, their purpose. Is their purpose is to encapsulate 
you know, the teachings of, of the scriptures in an area, uh, representing them in, different, in a different way, right? much like the Psalms do, right? They have that spirit. And other, other scriptural prayers. And now, well, we really fit in there in that collect, a long tradition. And our collect, the collect of St. Maria, is part of a, a long tradition in the church. They have this beautiful elegance of economy that really makes them highly memorable. They are prayers from the heart. They include all the senses in that prayer. Oh God, you know, the oh God who raised up your priest, St. Josemaria, in the church to proclaim the universal call to sanctity and deposit. It's oh God. It's like, oh God. It's, we're, it's almost a, we're moved at what God did, the action of God kind of God wandering around the world, okay, who should I use here for this next project of mine? Hmm. Oh, there's a priest there? No, he doesn't have time. Oh, there's a priest. He's got tons of time, and I can use him. And he looks docile. And he's got a good face. And he's got a good family. His name is, let's see, let's check his name, and with his uh, laser eyes, God looks down on his name tag. Jose Maria Escriva. Okay, what country is that? Let me check. Okay, oh, Spain. Okay, yeah, yeah. I can speak Spanish. No problem. Let's do that. <laughs> I don't think that's how God does it, but anyway, you get the idea, right? And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and so that's why we go, oh God, oh God, you did this. You used St. Jose Maria. You used him as your instrument to encapsulate something so important. Right? as the universal call to sanctity because maybe God was saying okay, these people, they're not getting it you know, they, I want everybody to be a saint I want everybody to love me not just these, these lovely priests here they're all very nice or these monks and religious they're all good but I have, look at all those fathers and mothers and these kids and students they're kind of forgetting me here and maybe the original plan of God the Father was, okay, I'll get some nice lay man or woman, you know, for lay people, so it's got to be a lay person. And uh, maybe he chose somebody, but they, they were like not getting ahead or something. I don't know. didn't work. So he said, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to work with the oxen that, uh, you know, that I've been given to plow the field, you know, so... So he found St. Josemaria, found the priest. And what is nice also for us is that the collect or, or the opening prayer is like, it's official. It's not just any prayer. Right? Like you can pray, Jesus, help me with my bad back. Uh, please help me with this headache. Uh, well, that's, of course, a prayer. Right? Well, Lord Jesus, uh, I pray that so-and-so come to the activities. Uh, it's a prayer. It's a very good prayer. But the collect is official. It's not just any prayer. You know, I, I heard this recently that in some Anglican churches, they decided to get rid of the collect 
because it was too official sounding. And they decided that in their, let's say, their celebrations, or I don't know if you call them masses, I guess they call them masses, but uh, that they they just have the people pray or something like that. I don't know, you know. And uh, in other words, this this Anglican priest was really upset about this because that would make the collect indistinguishable from other prayer. And he was trying to, like, he was on a campaign to keep the collect. And I, I presume they, they've kept it. Maybe there was just a movement of certain people who, who just wanted to make it into regular prayer. I don't know. But it's an official prayer of the church, approved by the church. It's gone through all the proper vetting. And so here it makes visible to us in greater outlines and grand outlines that spiritual universe which our prayer lives which which are which moves us to pray and it comes about as a result of this communion in the holy church and we can picture it it ascends on high through Christ to God the Father because we always invoke through Christ our Lord but to God the Father Almighty through the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, so that prayer that the priest says he says it of course in the name of Christ he's directed to God the Father it's like the official prayer of the church directed to God the Father somehow I mean I don't know how but it's, it has more value in some way because it's the whole body of Christ the spiritual body of Christ or the mystical body addressed to God the Father in some way, it must be pleasing to him. And it's nice to know that it's being prayed today and yesterday, presumably, in all languages you can imagine. It gives it universality. Now, we know that our father, Saint Josemaria, died in 1975, June 26, 1975. And, well, he had accomplished his mission here on earth. But though he had accomplished his mission and died there in Rome after going up the elevator and then having that heart attack, that was the end. People there tried to you know, keep him alive. But in a new way, we know that now he continues to act by interceding for so many souls. So it's as though his mission continues. He was very busy in his lifetime. He had very little time. He always had, uh, you know, things on the go. And but now even more, he's because he's interceding for the universal church, both for us in our needs, but also for so many, so many souls that barely know him. I'm sure the prayer card of our father has been has wound up in the hands of people who who barely know him. They don't even know who he is. But they see it says, Make here your request. Make here I can I can do that. Is it free? Do, do I have to pay anything? You know? And people make their requests. And uh, because God granted our founder a special paternity that embraced everyone that he came in contact with. And since his paternity was entirely supernatural, 
Well, it is only strengthened now by his going to heaven. Right? There's, there's a certain paternity in him. He's kind of watching over us, intercedes for us. He helps us. And naturally, as Don Alvaro said, from since that day, June 26, 1975, we've all experienced in a thousand ways that that he's acting in heaven, that he, that he has not actually left us, and that his presence has become even stronger. I mean, it's kind of obvious that he's, he's gotten certain presence, he intercedes, but at the time, for Don Alvaro to say that, it was like a consolation, because, I mean, at that time everybody knew him, and certainly Don Alvaro knew him personally very well, and lived with him for many, many years, and it was still a very, very strong blow to see him go. And uh, he was talking about something that he'd seen really every day for years, that he'd worked with, uh, that he had prayed with, that he'd been in get-togethers with. It was, it was really a big blow when our father died. It was a big blow. If you look at some of the ceremonies of the, like of the funeral, and then they had the funeral in Santo Genio, and then they, had, uh, they brought our father down into the crypt and all that, you know, it was all new to everybody. You know, we have to do a funeral here. I mean, you know, but uh, Don Javier, when you see him, young Don Javier, he, just, he couldn't stop crying. I mean, he was crying the whole time. Right? You could see it in the photos. As they're lowering the body into the crypt, He's crying, but Don Alvaro, he's like, just like keeping it together. You know, he's just trying to stay serene. Right? It's as though he was conscious of the enormous weight that was coming on his shoulders now. And he clearly understood that this was a new phase, yet our father did not leave us hapless. He did not leave us, you know, like we have to pay off debts or something like that. We just have to continue the mission that he had received. Now, both Don Alvaro and Don Javier and the people of that period in the 70s, well, they lived in a situation of very high spiritual temperature, you could say. Certainly Don Javier, because he lived next to our father. And, uh, and you know, that explains why he was so distraught at that time. Well, we cannot give you the excuse that we are not close to our father because we do have his writings. We have now two intercessors. We have Don Alvaro. We have Don Javier. We have, of course, uh, many others, obviously, Ponce and Guadalupe and so many others, Isidoro. All those other brothers and sisters that have gone before us we cannot let that temperature, that high elevated temperature, die out. With the blow on those embers, right? With the help of Our Lady. Our Lady helps us to be more uh, decided, more full of zeal, like those burning, visible burning coals. Mm-hmm. Our Father would say, you know, ask Our Lady to blow on the on the ashes of your indifference. 
the ashes of your indifference, the, the kind of the, the beginnings of lukewarmness. And coals burn for a while, as you know. But eventually, if you don't add more coals, eventually the coals go out. And uh, as the years go by since the death of St. Maria, well, we have to be kind of bigger burning coals. We have to add more coals. We have to add more heat. They can stay hot for a long time, but they have to be nourished with more coals and more heat. These are the acts of love we make every day, the acts of determination, the acts of fidelity, the way we sanctify that work that we've been given, that we have. And, uh, and we understand also that our communion with the church is not, does not act like a kind of binary digit as one or two, you know, yes, I'm faithful to the church or united to church or two, I'm not. There is a lot of degrees. And I have to, I have to grow as a lump of coal to be consumed and die to myself. That's what happens to a lump of coal. It's really, really hot, but time, it consumes itself and then it just dies. It's no longer a lump of coal. Our life, our life had to be like that. If it could be like that, a burning coal, anything that touches it, goes, you know, just like burns, you know. And not just a marshmallow. I mean, you gotta, you gotta put burning stuff in there. That means, as we think about this, am I a burning coal? Am I very, very, very ambitious? Perhaps I'm not a bonfire, but I want to be. I want to be one. I want to at least be a burning coal. And we know that many, many people were uh, profoundly impacted by the human and supernatural qualities of St. Josemaria. There were the people who met him in those years, well, many of them are still alive, but not that many. I mean, there are people, but it's, you know, he died in 1975. Some of them knew him in the 70s, others in the 60s. They're still around, but we have to keep the flame alive, both with our memory of him, with our zeal, with our knowledge of his life, with our drive to sanctity. We cannot just be like intellectual scholars who might know about you know, the life of somebody, but we have to be on fire. And June is a good occasion uh, to look at that example on the feast day of St. Josemaria, his Dies Natalis, the day he died of that heart attack at the age of 73. Today that would be quite young. Today somebody dying at 73, that, that would be like young. But when he came out of that elevator and he entered into his office, he looked, as we know, at the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe with Juan Diego offering her a flower. And then he, he turned, he saw that, and he collapsed, and he died. That's the last thing he saw. But if you see a picture just rapidly, and then you, you pass away, maybe if you look more carefully, you'll see that it was not Juan Diego who was offering the flower. It was Our Lady. She was giving him the flower, because she had already received them. And that's that's what Our Lady is going to do to us today. She's going to give us beautiful flower, flower of fidelity, the flower of joy, 
of good work well sanctified. She is the one ultimately who is our mother, she intercedes for us, and she helps us to be faithful to that spirit that St. Josemaria left us. Let's ask her, and let us ask uh, St. Josemaria to make us those burning coals eh, that never, ever go out. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, to see.